hand uh, of appreciation. Thank you, guys. So like I mentioned, it's my honor to preach today. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to Psalm 106. Uh, I want to read a verse that I actually quoted last week, but I really liked it. and It was really fitting uh, as I unpacked it and were, um, read into it even more. And I felt like it would be appropriate for today's uh, message. Um, we are concluding our sermon series on gratitude is an attitude. So we will be talking about gratitude and thanksgiving today, but that's not really the crux of my message. More so, I'm going to be talking about things that we can be thankful for. But let's get right into it. The Bible says in verse 1, Hallelujah, uh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. We serve a good God. Amen? I have never wondered or questioned God's motive uh, in anything. Now, I know that many people have, but I have been raised in such a way that I know that God is good. And even when I don't understand why things happen, I have the assurance that God is good and we can always give thanks to him in every situation. It, it expounds, it says, that his faithful love endures forever. I think you would agree with me in knowing that God is a God of love. Amen? But his love endures forever. That means in every situation, in every season, in every time of your life, in the good times and in the bad, his love endures forever. Amen? Uh, when you are celebrating the birth of a child or when you are grieving the death of a loved one, God's love endures forever. When you have just received a promotion and a raise and you are living on cloud nine, his love is there. Amen? But when you've lost your job and you've been laid off, God's love endures forever. His love is with you in the midst of your celebration and in your pain. His love is with you in the middle of a pandemic or in the middle of the best time of your life. God's love is there. Amen? Amen. So his love endures forever. Uh, then the rest of this chapter kind of talks about the nation of Israel. And I want to make some parallels between uh, Israel and us today. In verse 8, it says, Yet he saved them, Israel, because of his name, to make his power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the adversary. Skipping to verse 43, it says, He rescued them many times, and they continued to rebel deliberately, and they were beaten down by their sin. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. But verse 44 says, when he heard their cry, he took note of their distress. This is because of his faithfulness and because of his love. Remembering his covenant with them and relented according to the riches of his faithful love. Just the last two verses of this chapter. Save us, Yahweh, our God, and gather us from the nations so that we may give thanks to your holy name and rejoice in your praise. May Yahweh, the God of Israel, be praised from everlasting to everlasting let all the people say, Amen, Hallelujah. Say, amen. 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 So we serve a faithful God. He was faithful and loving to the nation of Israel, just like he will be faithful to us today. So today what I want to do is I want to look at the nation of Israel, especially as it relates to their time spent in and outside of Egypt, and, and what that has to do with our lives, okay? And so the big picture that I want you to get is that God, just like he did for Israel, he saves us, he delivers us, he redeems us, and he uses us. 
He doesn't just set us free so that we can be free. He sets us free for a purpose so that we can glorify him and bring others into relationship with him. Amen? So a little backstory in case you're not familiar with Israel. Israel is actually a person's name. It's a man's name in the Bible. He was born Jacob, and God changed his name to Israel. He had 12 sons, and throughout generations, those sons actually had children and grandchildren, and those became the 12 tribes of Israel, all right? Israel is actually a descendant of Abraham. God promised that uh, Abraham would be the father of many nations and have a lot of kids and be a blessing to all nations, including the United States of America, every nation, including our, your family and mine. All right, so that's the backstory for Israel. Well, Israel, through a long story that I don't want to get into for time's sake, actually became slaves in Egypt. And God didn't want them to be slaves in Egypt anymore. So he used uh, an Israelite, a Hebrew person named Moses, to go set the people free. Moses goes into Pharaoh's uh, the throne room or courtroom or whatever, and he says, let my people go, basically speaking on behalf of God. And Pharaoh said at least nine times, he said no, maybe ten times, I don't know. He said, no, I'm not going to let your people go. And so over the course of several days, God actually gave or inflicted uh, ten different plagues because uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let the people go. I'm not going to go into all the plagues, but I do want to mention the last one. The last plague had something to do with death. And, but, but nobody had to die. All they had to do was obey God's uh, command, and then everyone would live. So the Israelites obeyed this command. They killed the lamb like God instructed them to do. They took the blood of this lamb, and they actually applied it to the doorposts on their home. If they did this, and all the Israelites did this, then death actually passed over their home. The Egyptians that didn't do this, which I believe was all the Egyptians, they actually experienced death that day. Not everyone died, but some did. And that was actually the thing that Pharaoh got so upset about that he's like, all right, you guys get out of here. I don't want to see you anymore. Well, God used the blood of this lamb to, to, to allow their homes to pass over, uh, the death to pass over their homes. That's actually where we get this uh, feast of Passover. You've probably heard of, the, or you've heard of Passover. We, it happens every year around Easter time. And um, that's where this comes from. This is actually an event where, where the Passover. And there's a more significant thing that happens later in the Bible with Jesus. Don't get ahead of me, Okay. I know you're, th you're already going there, but hold on. Jesus, excuse me, God saved the nation of Israel. So I want to talk today about God's plan for our lives. And the first part of this is God wants to save you like he saved Israel. All right, you may have wondered, what is God's plan for my life? There are some big questions to ask. All right, God, what do you want me to do? You know, where, big questions like, where do you want me to spend eternity? Uh, mid-sized questions like, where do you want me to live? Or where do you want me to work? And, and little questions like, what kind of toothpaste should I buy? Alrighty? And there's only one answer to that, and that's Colgate Total, right? With the scope. 
because it leaves that minty, fresh feeling afterwards. But so whatever it is that God is asking you to do, he has a plan for your life. And I want to unpack, especially some of those big, big things uh, for you and, and kind of get in there. Number one is God wants you to be saved. All right, when I was six years old, I attended my grandfather's church with my parents, of course. And I remember one Wednesday night, I was in a boys' discipleship program called Royal Rangers. It's kind of like Boy Scouts, but it was, um, you know, just a—it was our church's version of that. And I remember, so they have all these different classes. You've got rainbows for little boys and girls, and then it splits into just the boys go to straight arrows, and the girls have their own missionettes and stuff. Then there was uh, buccaneers and trailblazers and pioneers and all these different classes. Well, I remember as a six-year-old boy, I was in the straight arrows class. And my teacher, we actually called the teachers commanders, okay? So my commander asked me and the rest of the kids, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven or hell? And I didn't know how to answer that question. He said, do you know that you'd go to heaven if you died? And I said, I don't know. And he said, do you want to know for sure that you would go to heaven? I said, absolutely. And so uh, he may have said something about Jesus and the cross and the blood of Jesus. I don't know. I don't remember all of what he said. I just remember him saying, all right, you need to repeat this prayer after me so that you know you're going to heaven. And I did. And as a six-year-old boy, I closed my eyes so tightly that when I opened them up, everything was blurry. I just remember it like it was yesterday. And I mentioned this to my commander, and he was so impressed that I closed my eyes so tightly, he said, you must have really meant that prayer. So in addition to receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior that day, my commander also gave me a sticker, (laughs) okay? So I said, all right, Uh, this was a good day for me. I put it on the little board, and if I got enough stickers, then I was going to get a prize at the end of the whole thing over. So not only did I receive salvation, but I was one sticker closer to getting a toy. (laughs) You can tell I was having a good day. Um, My point is this, though. When I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, I don't think that was the end of God's plan for my life. It was really just the beginning. It's not like that was the finish line and God said, yeah, Marcus, you're going to make your home in heaven for eternity. And, 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 you know, between now and then, just do whatever you want because, you know, you said that prayer as a six-year-old boy. Now, now the rest, you know, we'll, we'll see you in, in, in a few decades and we'll, we'll, we'll meet eyeball to eyeball and it'll be good. I think that was just the starting line. It wasn't the finish line. I think when the, the moment we give our heart to Christ is the moment that, that life begins, and the calling that God has for you starts. Amen? And so I think the next thing that God has in this plan for us is not just salvation, but freedom. I think he wants us to receive freedom from those things that are stopping us. It's kind of like Israel, again, to go back to that story. They were enslaved to Egypt, but God said, uh, and, and, and Egyptians, they were harsh taskmasters. It got very hot. They were forced to uh, do manual labor beyond what was reasonable. But God said, I want you to be free from that. 
And spiritually speaking, God wants us to be free from the things that have us in bondage and have us in chains today. Uh, Paul, the apostle, who wrote much of the New Testament, writes about this in his letter to the church in Rome. In Romans 6, he says that we can either be slaves to uh, sin, impurity, and lawlessness, which leads to more lawlessness, more uh, shame, and even death, or we can be slaves to uh, obedience, slaves to righteousness, and actually slaves to God, leading to righteousness, sanctification, and eternal life. There's not really a middle option. So you might think, okay, well, I can either be slaves to the devil, or I can be slave to God, but I just want to do my own thing. Paul actually says that is lawlessness, which leads to death. So there's only two options here. All right? You can be slaves to Egypt, or you can be free. Be slaves from righteousness or slaves to righteousness. And when I'm talking about being free, I am talking about being free from sin, addictions, chains, bondage, all that kind of stuff. All right? And if you're struggling with anything, maybe there is um, something going on in your life, I encourage you to, after church today, find someone here in this room that you can pray with. Uh, and if you're new to this church, you don't know who you can ask for prayer, you don't even know who the church leaders are, then you can come up to me afterwards. I'd love to pray for you. But I'm not just talking about uh, sin and things like that, although that is a big part of this. I'm also talking about other things like guilt and shame. You may have done something years ago, and maybe you only did it one time, but you're still carrying this weight of guilt and shame with you. You are a believer. You are a Christian. You know that you're going to heaven when you die, but you might still have this weight of, I can't believe I did that, and I can't believe, and you still carry that with you. I think that you can be free from that. In the same way that Israel was freed from Egypt, you might still have some of that in you, and you feel like, man, I need to be free from that. Or maybe it's something else um, like pain that someone else caused you whether it be uh, a spouse or a parent, maybe from your childhood. Maybe the person that hurt you isn't even alive anymore, but you're still walking in that pain. I think that you can receive freedom from that. So yeah, I am talking about like uh, sin and stuff, but I'm also talking about these other issues where it feels like you're just not healthy. You don't feel like you're well. I, I want you to receive prayer for that today. I want you to go to God, but also go to somebody else. Go to God today, and I feel like those chains will come off. But tomorrow, if you wake up and you're still struggling with bitterness or unforgiveness or anxiety or fear, go to God again. It's not like a one-time thing. You know, Satan wants to continue. It may have taken you years to get to the place where you are and, and to be far from God. And I believe that in a moment, God can set you free from all that. But it might take years for you to feel like you're healthy and well. And I, I don't mean to say that God can't do it in an instant, but I'm just saying if tomorrow you wake up and you're struggling with anxiety, pick up the phone and ask someone to pray for you. Go to God in prayer. Look at the Word of God and find out what He is wanting for you in how to live your life. Amen? 
So God loves you, and his love endures forever. He loves you even in your sin. He loves you in, even in your weakness. And he loves you even in your failure. That brings us to this third point of God's plan for your life is I think he wants you to take action. And when I say take action, I mean he wants you to start using the life and the breath that he has given you to glorify him and to bring others into relationship with him. That's kind of our church motto, to glorify God and bring others into relationship with Christ. It's in the lobby in big, bold letters. You walked past it when you came in here today. I think a lot of us have a sense of purpose deep inside, but the idea is we might hesitate to take action on that, maybe because of fear. Maybe because you think, I'm not ready. I'm not good at it. Uh, I might fail. I recently heard this quote, doubt and fear kill more dreams than failure ever will. Isn't that good? A lot of times we think, ah, I don't want to take that step and to get involved in a ministry or start putting myself out there to do what I think that God's called me to do because I might fail. Well, you will fail if you never even try, right? And so I think that's going back to Israel they were called out of Egypt for a purpose, to inherit the promised land. They were called out of Egypt to uh, conquer kingdoms and actually to bring about Jesus Christ so that he would ultimately be the blessings uh, for all nations. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, not just for salvation, but for good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's what we're here for, to make known the deeds among the people, like Psalm 105 says. We're supposed to glorify God. So a couple action points for this. Number one, I think next year in January, our church is going to be highlighting some ministries and doing some really intentional things to help you find a place where you can serve. Discover where God has uh, uniquely gifted you, how he has designed you to be so that you can start serving here at this church. And it's not just because we need more volunteers. Sure, we could use some more people to start serving in the church, um, but we have great volunteers. The reason we really want you to start serving in this community or here at this church is because if you come and you sit and you receive long enough, you're going to start feeling uneasy because God has made you to, to give and to serve and to pour out. That's why we're here. I look back at, at my life and the things that I've accomplished and the things that I've received, the experiences that I've been a part of. And some of the things I am most grateful for are the things that required me pouring out and serving and, and doing something for God. It's not just, oh, I, I sit back at your life and think about your life. Oh, it's not just a, a present that I received at Christmas time sometime. All oh, those are great, and I appreciate those things. But it's, man, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to give. That's because we have a deep sense of purpose uh, inside of us that God wants to come out in the way of serving in, in this church and around. But you don't have to wait till January to get involved. You can start even now, even start by praying. Ask yourself, what is bothering you? What's bugging you? And then start praying for that. Is there an injustice that you notice around the world or in this country and in this city? Something that's just really got you on the edge? Well, go to God in prayer for that, and you'll actually be used by God to help bring about that change.
I mentioned serving, but also giving is another way. You might be uniquely gifted in a certain area to uh, do your work, your business. And it might not look like ministry. It might not look like standing on a stage and preaching to people and encouraging people to, to find freedom or something like that. But it can be very much and as much a part of glorifying God and bringing people into relationship with Him when you give. You might be alone at home, um, working at your home, in your office, in front of a computer, and not really connected to other individuals a lot. And you might wonder how that has anything to do with glorifying God and helping other people find Jesus Christ. But when you give, you are using your unique talents and abilities wherever you are to help the gospel to be preached. Because of your financial support, this church is able to continue to grow. And the, the ministries like Convoy of Hope are able to continue to feed kids in Haiti. And it wouldn't happen unless you were using your talents and abilities in your job, in your workplace. And that happens when you give. But there's one more thing before I move on from this point that might seem kind of random. And as far as like taking action and getting involved is this, this next month coming up in December, come to as many Christmas parties as you can. All right. And it's not just for the cookies. All right. I know you think that's why we do this because my dad likes gumdrop cookies and you know, I like eggnog and all that stuff. But that's not, that's really just the the underlying, that's not, that's ulterior motive. There's something else going on here, and that's fellowship. I challenge you, you could do this today, you know, or you could, you could come out on December 8th to the Christmas party uh, downtown, but meet somebody that you don't know. There are, there are people that you probably don't know. Get to know their name. You might meet them. You might hear a need. You might learn about them. And become part of this family. That's part of how this works, is when we get to know each other. And it might be uncomfortable, but it's important that we know each other and care for one another. It's a part of taking action and doing what God's called us to do. There was one uh, famous missionary who took action and who actually decided to follow the call of God on his life. His name is Jim Elliott. Um, I recently went to Wheaton, Illinois, uh, the home of Wheaton College, where Billy Graham went to college, and Jim Elliott, this missionary I'm going to tell you about, went to college. And um, I was there for an evangelism thing, and I was in the archives room of the college where they hold like kind of like artifacts and different things, and I was looking at one of Jim Elliott's journals, and I was hearing a story about something he wrote in his journal. Um, if you don't know the story, Jim Elliott actually became a missionary to Ecuador. He wanted to preach the gospel to unreached people groups. People groups who had no concept of Jesus. They did not know his name. They did not know anything about the cross or the blood of Jesus Christ or the resurrection. He wanted to introduce them to Jesus Christ, knowing that if they never hear, then they'll never know and they'll not get to spend eternity in heaven. And so he's, he wanted to make a difference and change that. Uh, unfortunately for Jim, this tribe that he encountered was extremely violent. And before anyone could actually uh, profess Christianity or become a born-again believer, this tribe actually killed, they martyred Jim Elliot and the other people that he was with. So some of the newspapers heard about this, and they actually mocked him. They called him a fool. 
They said that he wasted his life. I guess they recognized the potential, at least the way that the story was told to me when I was standing in this archives room. They said uh, that people said that he wasted his life, that he should have been maybe a pastor uh, preaching to Christians about maybe that would have done a better job than never even seeing one convert. But Jim's wife, Elizabeth, was looking through these journals, and she was reading them. And she came across a quote that she kind of like told the people at the newspaper, and they, they called him a fool, but she said he wrote in his journal before he died, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim knew that you can't hold on to this life because it quickly fades away. But only the things that you do for eternity really matter and last forever. So he didn't have a problem with giving up his life because you can't hold on to your life. We're all going to lose our lives one day. So he was able to give his life for something that mattered the most. And to finish that story, uh, Elizabeth Elliot actually went to Ecuador and she spoke to the very same people that killed her husband. She was able to demonstrate mercy and grace and forgiveness to a people group that had no concept of mercy or grace or forgiveness. She was actually able to preach Jesus to this tribe. And the entire tribe decided to turn their lives over to Christ. They learned about the blood of Jesus. They surrendered their lives to him, and they became believers. Amen? I, I, I told the first service that the women here are probably thinking they should have just sent Elizabeth in the first place, and maybe they would have spared Jim's life. Maybe it was his approach. But in all reality, she was the one that uh, demonstrated this mercy and grace. And it, Jim's life wasn't wasted. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Matthew 10, 39 puts it like this. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So we can lose our life for God and, and, and focus on the things that matter for eternity. Or we can put all of our eggs in this one basket on earth and then be disappointed when it all ends. See, our life is just a sandcastle. You can make it as big and as beautiful and ornate as you want to. But the truth is, it is here today and it is gone tomorrow. Or we can choose to put our hope in things that are eternal by surrendering our life to Jesus Christ. So what I want to do right now is I want to take a little bit longer than I normally would to explain how to become a follower of Jesus Christ for two reasons. Talking about God's plan for your life, I feel like maybe there's somebody here, you know that you need to find freedom and you know that you need to, to be used by God for a specific purpose. Okay, but maybe you've never taken the first step to find salvation. Maybe you've never taken that first step to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to know how you can know that you are a Christian. But also, I know that I'm talking to a lot of believers here today. Maybe there's somebody in your life. Maybe there is someone that they believe in God, but Jesus Christ is not their Lord and Savior. And you don't really know how to talk to that person. 
you don't really know what to say to that person because, sure, you were raised in church, and you know that you're going to heaven when you die, but you don't really understand how to articulate, okay, here's why you need Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. I want to explain this for you uh, so that you can share the good news, because ultimately, way more than volunteering for the nursery or giving to the church, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, that really is ultimately the biggest thing and the most important thing that God wants you to do as he uses you, okay? So I want to make one thing very clear. We cannot earn our way to heaven. We cannot do enough good things that could ever outweigh the bad things that we've done. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word sin literally means missing the mark. Imagine a bullseye, and you have a bow and arrow, and you're trying to hit the bullseye, and, and you, you fire off your first shot, and you hit the bullseye. That's great. And you hit it again and again and again. It doesn't matter how many times you hit the bullseye. The Bible says that if you've sinned, meaning you've missed the mark, then you have disqualified yourself from entering into heaven on your own merit. So even if you've only sinned one time, you still deserve the punishment that all sinners receive. Let me explain that a little bit. I wonder how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, please don't raise your hand, okay? But how many of you have ever lied? Don't raise your hand, but just think about it. Have I ever lied? Have I ever lied? Have I lied today? Have I, you know, how many of you have ever stolen something? Okay. How many of you have ever lusted after someone? Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that if you lust after someone, it's the same as committing adultery. These are, these are some of the Ten Commandments. He says, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't steal. He says, don't kill. That's in the Ten Commandments. That's part of God's law. But Jesus said that if you have murder in your heart, or if you have hatred in your heart, it's the same as murder. The, the writer James tells us that if we have committed one sin, we are guilty of, breaking, of, of committing all the sins, breaking all of God's law. So if you've answered yes to any of them, that's just four that's just four of the commandments. There are, there are others, okay? But I think you can recognize with me that we have all sinned. I know I have. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. But what is the consequence for that? Romans 6.23 says that the wages, wages, it's like a paycheck. It's like what you earn. The wages of sin is death. So we have actually earned death. We have earned separation uh, from God. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 9 says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. So yeah, it's a real feel-good message today. Um, <laughs> but I want you to imagine this. Imagine that you have a rock. And the goal is to hit the, the North Pole. Okay, I think North is like somewhere that way. All right? And I have a rock, and I'm going to try to hit the North Pole as well. You might throw the rock farther than me, but neither one of us are going to come anywhere near close 
to the mark and the standard of perfection that God has for us. You might throw it farther than me, but it's kind of like this. There might be somebody who has actually murdered, who has actually committed adultery, who has actually broken all 10 of the commandments, and you may have had lust in your heart, and that's the only thing you've ever done wrong, which I doubt it, but we're all guilty of the same punishment. We're all guilty of the same separation. But 2 Peter 3, 9 says that he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Say everyone. He wants the terrorist uh, in ISIS in the Middle East who is far from God. Sure, he didn't throw his rock to the North Pole as far as you or I did, maybe. But God wants him to know repentance and he wants you to know repentance. He wants everyone to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God so loved the world that anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He demonstrates his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. I mentioned that the wages of sin is death, that we earn death, we earn separation from God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Salvation is this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13 says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So I wonder if you have called on him. Have you asked Jesus Christ to forgive you? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life? If you refuse to call on Jesus, then Roman, excuse me, Revelation 20 says that one day there will be a great white throne of judgment and that all unbelievers will stand before this throne and that books will be opened and each person will give an account of what they have done. And if their name is not found in the Lamb's book of life, they will receive their punishment. Punishment that Jesus already paid the price for. But we have good news. This sounds kind of like bad news, but we have good news because Jesus came for us. He lived a perfect life. He was sinless. Revelation 21 says that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be, there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Behold, I am making all things new. Verse 27 says, But nothing unclean will ever enter it but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Could you stand with me today? And I want you to examine your heart. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask you this question. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Maybe you don't even know. When you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, then you are declared righteous. It doesn't change the wrong things that you've done, but when God looks down upon you from heaven, he doesn't see your sin, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. You are covered in the blood of Jesus, spiritually speaking. He is the Passover lamb. In the same way that the blood was applied to the doorposts of the Israelites thousands of years ago, death didn't come into their home. The same blood of Jesus Christ can be applied to your heart 
so that when you die, you'll actually not perish, but have everlasting life. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And we will celebrate in heaven for eternity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to know, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that you've sinned and separated yourselves from God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose again, proving that he is more powerful than sin, death, hell, and the grave? But today, I'm asking you, have you ever asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you ever made him your Lord and Savior, meaning you've surrendered your life to him and now he is in charge of your life. That you're not doing things your own way, but you are you're, you become a slave to God, a slave to obedience, to righteousness. And you are living your life for Christ. Kind of like my commander when I, at Royal Rangers when I was six years old, I want to ask you today, if you were to die today, do you know that you'd be in heaven? If there's any doubt in your mind, you can know today that you will inherit eternal life. And it's not just saying this prayer that saves you. But if, I want you to raise your hand if, either, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, you've never surrendered your life to Him, or if maybe you have, but you have walked away from God, you have chosen your own way, done your own things and you said, you know what, today I want to come back to God. I want to make sure my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If that's you today and you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive you, you want your name to be written in that book and have a home in heaven for eternity, then I want you to raise your hand up nice and high and I'm going to pray for you. Thanks for the hands that are going up in this place. Is there anybody else that says yes? I want you to include me in that prayer. Thank you for the other hands that are going up. So just ask God is there, do I know? I want to be sure. Thank you for other hands going up. Anybody else that says, I want to know for sure. I don't want to be separated from God for eternity. I believe that Jesus paid the price that I should have paid. And so I want to be, I want to have eternal life. All right, you guys can all put your hands down. What I want to do now is I want everyone here, whether you raised your hand, or even if you didn't raise your hand, to repeat this prayer after me. We're going to ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and make a declaration that we are living for God. Uh, say it nice and loud. Repeat after me. Say, Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know I've sinned. Please forgive me and make me a new person. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and raising from the dead. I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give each other a great big hand clap and just celebrate with those. Angels are rejoicing today as names are being written in, the, in that Lamb's Book of Life. And now you know how you can articulate that with a friend who might be wondering why they need to make Jesus their Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, then I want you to come uh, either see me afterwards, tell a friend, or uh, stop by the VIP booth afterwards. And uh, we have some resources that we want to give to you. But as we sing this last song, what I want to do is take a moment to celebrate. 
because I, I mentioned we weren't really talking about gratitude, but we have a reason to be thankful, amen? We have a reason to be grateful, and it's because of Jesus Christ, because he died and he rose again, and he is alive today, amen? Father, we thank you for the price that you paid and the blood that you shed. We thank you that we have forgiveness, that we didn't earn it, but it is a free gift. Lord, we ask that you would just be with us, Lord, that you would show yourself strong and mighty. Lord, and I thank you for those names that have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for the salvation that has come to each one today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing one more song before we go.
Marcus, that's a great word. Um, I'm so thankful for salvation and for Jesus and the cross and his blood that gives us hope and that hope that we can share with other people. And um, I love that song, it's uh, I Choose to Praise. And it's the holidays and um, it was Thanksgiving and now it's Merry Christmas, woo! But the holidays are hard for some people. Um, you know, maybe you've lost someone recently or uh, you just don't have people around you. But like Amanda said in the beginning, like we are all a family and we're all here. And I love the point um, to receive freedom. Um, and I believe that song says just that. Um, I choose to praise even on your heaviest day. If you're feeling heavy, you may say, well, I'm saved, but I still feel heavy. That's okay. Just choose to lift lift up the name of Jesus and say, I feel heavy today, Lord, but I need your peace. And so I love that song. It just, I love the words. It's so good. Um, but I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving and um, we're so thankful for you. And um, yeah, it's Christmas now. So Merry Christmas. Uh, let's close in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, each and every person who came out today, God. I pray that you would just go with us uh, through this holiday season and just uh, help us to choose to praise, even if we're feeling heavy, even if we're feeling down, God. I pray that we would remember that, uh, Jesus, you died on the cross for us and you are our hope. You are our hope for eternity. So I pray that you would just give us peace, give us hope, and uh, just help us have a good rest of the week and a good holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.